Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Betfair's Wading Podcast. Uh, I apologise again for my voice. It's another Monday post a racing gravy train trip. And so that means croaky voice time. Uh, I would just like to clarify now. It sounds like I smoke 20 a day and drink in excess and don't get any sleep. But my voice just goes. I just have a very weak voice, okay? I actually was not on the binge for a week in Keeneland. Why are you yeah, laughing, the, Kevin Blake? The, the answer there is I don't smoke. The rest of it's true, but I do not smoke. <laughs> I do not smoke. <laughs> I, I, I don't know about that. Sounding like it's hot, only half your problem, but looking like it's the bigger part. Yeah, I know. I have, I have looked better in my time, TC, and it's disappointing that at this stage of the show we are now visible if people want to watch on youtube please don't please just listen um anyway let's crack straight on to racing from the weekend just being here in the uk um point proven kevin blake paul nichols good horses grade one horses in handicaps grenatine and frodon bang bang in they go take a nice part each of them uh it's just exactly what you've been banging on about isn't it yeah, and no, well done to Paul. In fairness, he's, he's a punchy campaigner in the main, isn't he? And he's, he's not afraid to utilise the, these limited handicaps and handicaps in general with good horses, in fairness. And sure, Frodon was, was the result of the day for, for many, I suppose. He's a very popular horse. His, his partnership with Brian, he, you know, you know, has delivered some great moments over the years. Um, he's getting older, um, but this was kind of real classic Frodon, wasn't it? I didn't think he was in a super rhythm early, jumping rhythm, but he did warm up and he just started to put them to the sword there in the final circuit and um, was very game under pressure. Um, so, look, fantastic result. I think everyone enjoyed it. But to, to put on the old nerdy moaning hat, and I do love moaning, <laughs> as, you, as you point <laughs> out. Like, oh, wait, that's my territory. <laughs> if, I, if I owned a second here, I would be so annoyed. Because because Frodon, as we mentioned in the preview, like he he has just been the benefactor of like an incredibly oddly generous piece of handicapping prior to this race, you know, to be dropped six pounds um, for a run at the Cheltenham Festival where he didn't actually run badly at all, um, and came back as the the race course vet reported that he was struck into, you know, to be dropped six pounds for that is just genuinely remains genuinely incredible. He's one by two and a half lengths here. <laughs> You know, I'd be, I'd be sick if I was in charge of the second. And look, I know as part of the, the British um, kind of overhaul of their jumps handicapping, one of the things they mentioned was to drop older chasers faster. And we all get that and we understand it. But I don't think Frodon was really a candidate, you know, for, for such generous treatment, considering yeah, but, he, won, yeah. he won the down Royal Champion chase, you know, three starts back. You know, beating Galvin, who won the Savills chase on his next start, and Manila Indo, who was second in an Irish Gold Cup and a, and a Cheltenham Gold Cup. Like that, that, he ran right up to 167 there. So to, yeah. to be lashed back to 158 to start his new season off, I thought was ridiculous, frankly. And um, look, we we all tipped him. We all <laughs> plenty of people backed him. Great, but you know, if you put your if you put your objective hat on, like it was a ridiculous piece of handicapping. Yeah, I mean, Tony, he was, what, the 9-4 to four favourite going to post. He was top weight. He's a grade one horse. There's all this hype about him getting older. I don't mean to, like, stick a pin in the balloon here. I love Frodon. I love mm. the story. Great for racing, et cetera, et cetera. But, like, he's only a 10-year-old. Like, I, I, the way people talk about him, it's as if he's about to turn 13. He's 10. Like, lots of horses are plenty good enough still at 10. Um, so, yeah. for all it was a magnificent performance, I don't think it was... 
I don't know. I, I think I think people kind of slightly went into overdrive about it from where I was sitting anyway. Yeah. I mean, like I said, he's, he's, and also, know, he's, he's you eligible know, for veterans' choices, um, uh, obviously, at 10, isn't he? Look, as Kevin said, he was running off a mark of 158 there. If he got into a, a good racing with him against vastly inferior horses, he was always going to prove very, very hard to beat. And that's what he did. I mean, Fair play to Bryony. I mean, I don't know if it was picked up on massively uh, by by the TV, but it was very slippy conditions at Wincanton. And, um, you know, I think, um, uh, what was the, oh, McFabulous was, was pulled up yeah. because, because of those conditions. And he, you had a look at Bryony coming in on Frodo at the start. She did that and it was like full start. The horse did actually slip, actually just going into the tapes for the first time. So it just gives you, you know, these jockeys have just got, you know, I was going to say balls of steel, but yeah. uh, it's probably not apt with our Bryony, isn't it? But yeah, I mean, um, I mean, like, yeah, it was a, it was a good performance. I mean, obviously, if you're looking for brilliant handicap performances, obviously, Grenadine winning the Howden Gold Cup off off a mark of 168 was was something else. I mean, again, that race kind of like fell apart a bit and didn't have much depth, but God, that was a, that was a really really good performance. It was beating off beating twenty odd lengths off that mark, you know, first time out last season and. He, he was a big, big mover for the Betfair Tinkle Creek after that. He was like, he was sixes in the place going into that uh, race. Um, he was uh, freeze immediately after the race of the Betfair Sportsbook, and that's been trimmed into five to two. And you can fully see why. Um, my only worry is, um, you know, that, you know, horses do recoil off really big performances. Um, and it was softly, softly when he won the Tinkle Creek last year. But that was a, that was a very loud bang going into the sand, and that's why he's that's why he's been so well backed. And uh, I hope he hasn't left his sand down race there because the owner Chris Giles has invited me to his box. And uh, <laughs> the last time I was in, I was in Giles's box. <laughs> Grenadine won at Sandown in in April, and we ended up in some uh, casino uh, in the early hours, uh, straight from Sandown. So yeah, so uh, yeah, that, very, that, very that, that was that wasn't even the most dramatic event of that day, TC. <laughs> What was that one? Oh, the Yates incident. Oh, yeah, yeah. was that, that famous day it was. Bloody hell, TC. I'm going this year. I'm go- do you remember? Remember? I think someone sent me a picture of old Yates looking really miserable as Bryony came in on Grenadine. I can't remember who sent it to me, Kev. Can you? Um, but I'm going to go that and I'm going to put that on Twitter. Uh, on Saturday <laughs> the morning, I'm going to go there just uh, and walk in the press room and see who says anything first. Uh, if I if I remember right, TC wasn't that day at Sandown like your first day racing in a long time after, in after a long your time. illness. You know yeah. what, what a day to come back! What an eventful one! Yeah, yeah, it was it was good one. I was like I say I was um, I was in I didn't have a drink for six months and that was just like in that was it right in the middle of it. So I couldn't even blame. No, not, you know, I got badly done to first, but yeah, um, it wasn't me. Well, look, that fingers crossed, Grenatine running in the Tingle Creek then, and it will be a less dramatic day than the one we had 12 months ago. In terms of their prices, you're saying he's five to two. I've got three to one on my nose. I mean, it was freeze after the race. It's now into five yeah. to two. Yeah. And then in terms of Frodon, he's actually unchanged for the King George, um, for the Betfair Chase, sorry, at 16s, and for the King George, he's 20s from 33s. Let's stick with Paul Nichols, boys, and a quick mention to Nappers Hill, who managed to overturn Sco Royale in the elite at Wincanton, Kevin. Um you know, like I know he does this every year, Paul Nichols, but these horses, he just really sort of targets these early season races, has them ready to run for his life. And Napa's Hill now two from two and sort of, you know, he's making hay whilst he can basically at this time in the season. 
yeah, look, fair play to him again. Like again, I like, am yeah. a fan of Nichols uh, and the way he campaigns them. And he, like, I think he, like, it's, well, it's been the case for quite a few years now. Like that, he, he doesn't have anything like the horsepower that he used to have. But in terms of maximizing what he has, you know, I, I think he does do a very good job. And in fairness to this horse, like he he was a very good bumper horse. And there was hopes that he could be, you know, one of the better novice herders, certainly on, on, on the British side of the water last season. And after a promising start, it didn't really kick on. His jumping was a little bit slow to, to get to where it needed to be. But um, he, he's rocking and rolling now. You know, he's won his last four, two at the back end of last season, two now. Grade two winner, um, like so royal. We know he's not a champion as such, but we know that this is, you know, this is his level. This is his time of year. And you, you can set your clock by him generally. And um, to to you know, albeit in receipt of six pounds to go beat him the way he did, it um, it certainly confirms that he's improving. Um, bigger tasks ahead, obviously, but um, grade two in the pot, and uh, let's see what what he does at um, Christmas. Or he'll probably uh, he'll, he'll, afford he's, it, got, he's um, I think he's about tens for the Great Wood under a five pound penalty now. So okay. I'm not sure he'll get raised by that much uh, because tens, tens from twenties. He was twenties after his first win. He's now. Being yeah. cut to ten to one after that most recent victory, yeah, mm-hmm. for the Greatwood. Um, yeah. let's move on. Let's do this section in trainers, jumps, trains, done. Paul Nichols. Let's move on to Gordon Elliott. Uh, Kevin, uh, he released some big guns this weekend. Do you want to start with the Mighty Potter winning on chasing debut, but sort of work in progress tag? I think it's fair to say. Yeah, oh lordy, didn't we have so? I, I know we we give I, we give British racing plenty of stick about field sizes and that. I tell you what, there was a bit of that at Down Royal um, at that meeting, which is disappointing. You know, three runner bumper is the one that springs to mind. Like my God, talk yes. about being a bust! Talk about being a busted flush. That whole race type. Um, but yeah, the, the, I I've, I found the amusing there over a the few days. Gordon unleashed some big big guns. And um, there was definitely lots of uh, one of my favorite features of the National Hunt season, which is the pre-written tweets um, and I, the, 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 the over-the-top praise. There was, <laughs> a lot, there was a lot of that this weekend. There was a lot of that this weekend. <laughs> An awful lot. And, you know, for those that are unfamiliar with the concept now, I, I noticed this years ago that when you get, you know, a Mighty Potter or an American Mike, you know, a horse with big expectations stepping out over their, their respective obstacles for the first time and their fives on or whatever, people will have their effusive <laughs> praise written up before the race and they'll be hovering over the button and they'll wait till they jump the last and then go bang, you know, Mighty Potter. Oh my God, that was fantastic. Brilliant. Unbelievable. Um, love that. You know, because it's important to get in first in life, as we know. But um, the problem Just, is, 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 the is problem it? you have is when they win and they're not actually that impressive. And, uh, Mighty Potter, yeah. a horse, a horse I love now. And every, you know, those that God help them, those that listen to me will will know I was, you know, very keen on this fellow for the Supreme Novice. Loved him all the way through last season. Really excited about him going over fences. Um, but he went and won. Didn't blow me away. Now I don't know if making the running's ideal. You know, mistake at the first. Um, jumped out to his right. Um, better as the race went. Good at the last two, but yeah, work in progress is it how I describe it. Now, I, I I put him as a six out of ten. I thought it was only a six out of ten. I I, I may I maybe give him a seven because he got better as it went on. And look, I think he will be better in a better race. I, I don't think he wants to be making the running really. Um, so I give it. You know, if, it, yeah, he reminds you a small bit of Manelindo, his chasing debut. Um, 
you know, just just work in progress. You just yeah. you'd be. I, I, I'm not condemning him now at all, but I'll just be watching him very closely to, to see his progress from first start to second. Well, for the Turners, he was cut two points to eight to one from ten to one, and he was <laughs> they love, love a cut. They love a cut, and he was unchanged at twelve for the Arkle, but that's because we know he's very unlikely to go there. I would imagine, but um. TC American Mike, he won on his hurdles debut at a very short price. He obviously saw the backside of Fasal Vega a lot last season, mm. but he remains a serious horse. And this was probably more like a seven out of ten hurdling debut for me. Yeah, a lot a lot of people were more impressed by I was. Um it took a while to warm to his task, but you know, he was doing his best work late on. Yeah, I mean it's, it was a highly satisfactory performance. I wouldn't go raving about it, but his bumper form tells you that you know he could he should be taking high order, uh, you know, if he progresses from that. But other than that, nothing much to say really. Everyone everyone saw how he did it. You know, wasn't wasn't uh, didn't travel that well into his race. Jumping left of a little bit to be desired, but yeah, the engine's there, as they say. Yeah, I, tell you, I, I wasn't as I wasn't as impressed now, Vanessa. I would I'd be poking at him more than I would Mighty Potter. Even. Really? Um, okay. I, yeah, the joy I, of the difference of opinions. I love this. Go on. Yeah, I just wasn't loving his jumping technique. Like he was big and he was he's chaser. He's, he's, he's he, airy, isn't he? He's airy. Yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. he was. I, I thought he was clumsy when he was in close. You know, he's made a, a quite a bad mistake at the fourth last. He's made a bit of a mistake at the second last. Um, I, I'd be. I, I, I'd be worried. I, I think her, with hurdling, you know, chasing, I, I think you can forgive a horse a bit more first time. You know, hurdling, you want to see them a bit more natural than this. And um, you're, you don't forget now, like he, he obviously won a point to point, which isn't unusual, as we know, for horses can be, can be very good hurdlers having come from the point to points. But um, I remember his mammy, American Jenny, and she was substantially better over fences than hurdles. Like she was a nutting herder, really. Interesting. Uh, and and she really drove on over fences. Like she was two stone better over fences. Um, and I just, oh God, I'd be watching him very closely the next time. Now he just needs to flatten out very quickly, or else, you know, and look, it's not to say he could jump like that and and you know win a, a Albert Bartley maybe over staying trips, but you know, in terms of a, a two and a half miler, God, he he's gonna have to sharpen up a fair bit. Um He's going to have to sharpen up a fair bit. Okay, well, in terms of his prices, though, he's shortest for the for the potato race. Oh, no, he's not. Sorry, for the middle distance race. So for the Supremes, he's unchanged at 14s. He's un- unchanged at fives for the Ballymore. And yeah, he's cut two points for the Albert Bartlett to seven. Yeah, come on, from nine. Jesus Christ, they love yeah. cuts. It's bananas. <laughs> I, I, I honestly don't see how, if if you have, if you're of the, of the inclination, and, and you know, there's plenty of them out there that would speculatively back them for Cheltenham before the herding debut. If I had done that with American Mike and I watched that race, I'd be going, no, I wouldn't have been terribly happy with that now. Um, again, yeah, he's it, won and he's beaten the horse in second. Isn't a bad horse, but no, that's what, you know, yeah. Yeah, when you get up to those high levels, you, you really need to be jumping a bit more efficiently. You don't need to be a spectacular jumper of a hurdle to win an Albert Bartlett, but you, you want to see a bit more efficiency and a bit more, cleverness and, and like I said clumsy when he was in close which would concern me okay so we're all a little bit indifferent about Gordon Elliott's horses basically that came out this weekend uh, but on to Henry the Bromhead since we seem to be doing this section in trainers now um, Envoy Allen back taking the Labrooks champion chase at Down Royal back in the winner's enclosure 
What did you make of it, TC? Yeah, uh, obviously we've just heard we're recording this uh, just after midday on on Monday, and we've just heard that Eboan um, is going to join his owner mate Alaho. Well, if, if that one definitely goes there uh, for the King George. So yeah, that was fascinating. One I couldn't have him going into the race, um, but it was a very really strange betting heat. That I mean, even though there was a little bit of money around for Galvin. I thought the horse to take out the race was conflated if if the betting is any guide. Now, I mean, that horse was five to two, 11 to four in the morning and pretty, pretty solid. But you just could not give away conflated. I mean, I, I thought he'd run and the betting suggested he was going to run an absolute stinker. He was bet Ferris of over eight to one. And you could have got, a, I think you could have got a point bigger. I mean, I, I actually backed him at 9.6, 9.8 um, just before the race. Uh, so, if the betting suggested he was badly in need of it, I thought Conflated ran an absolute cracker there because, the, you know, he ran far better than the market suggested he was going to. Um, suggest they've left plenty to work on there. Uh, yeah, I mean, Envoy Allen, great. Could I could I trust him to back that up at Kempton? No. Um, conflated, yeah, all day long. Um, like I said, I, I take a lot of heed of the market. And if that's, if that's, if that's your guy, Conflated is a horse going forward that I want to be with next time because, you know, um, it, it sounds yeah. like he was he was half fit there, but he, he ran a really encouraging race all the same. Well, Envoy Allen was cut at the time to 14 to 1 from 25 to the King George, but has the fact that he's been confirmed to go there changed that market, TC? Just because yeah, yeah, I was just looking at the exchange just... market. Um, Alaho was drifted to 2.8 on the back of that. It's interesting, yeah. do the owners... If the owners are targeting Envoy Allen there, I mean, the, the cynic in me is saying, is Alaho definitely going to go there now? Um, you know, Willie's also got Gallop and Deschamps in there. And um, although he said it's going to stay at home, but, you know, plans change. But yeah, it's, I like to say, I wouldn't be with Envoy Allen uh, at Kempton because obviously if Alaho turns up, I think he's probably an odds on shot. Uh, and obviously you've got Brave Man's game in there and last year's winner, Tornado Flyer. So yeah, uh, but no, obviously a very good performance. Warmed a few hearts, but not this cold one. No, well, it takes a lot to do that, TC. <laughs> but um, it, it, we moan about, we've moaned on this pod about uh, bookmakers cutting horses off the back of just basically showing they're alive. Well, to be fair to them, they pushed Galvin out to 40 to 1 for the gold cut from 16s after his flop, Kevin. And that seems an overreaction considering that performance was far too bad to be true. It wasn't even his true showing. Yeah, it was, a, it was a funny type of race now, I thought. Funny type of race. I wouldn't like to hang my hat on the form at all. No. Um, no. Plenty of them didn't jump. Conflated didn't get into a rhythm. The winner didn't really get into the a winner. rhythm. The winner didn't either, no. Yeah, like in the Galvin look beat a long way out. You know, you, you, look at the, you look at the times, you know, in the handicap chase over the same course and distance later in the card. You know, the winner won it off a mark of 120 They've gone faster than the, than the grade one, you know, in, in raw race time. Um, like, it's so much slower than, than, the, than the standards. Um, I, like, just, I'm, I'm, and it looks, that some of that is going to be a product of, of early pace, but it's just not a piece of form I want to be taken to the bank. Like, Kemboy hasn't looked himself and, you know, came in here race fit, but hadn't exactly looked at his best in, in his few start times that we've seen him. And, 
he seemingly bounced back. And like TC says, the market was screaming at you, conflated, isn't ready. And he's still only been beaten four and a half lengths. Yeah, I, okay. I, w- I would be cautious. I, I Great to see Envoy Allen back and goes without saying. Um, fantastic for Henry de Bromhead and his family. Um, but it's just as a piece of form, I think, oh, yeah, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be taking it to the bank. And just a quick line on another horse who, in terms of uh, bigger prices on their, well, on their market prices, w- weren't going to win. Magical Zoe in the grade three at Down Royal Kev uh, for Henry de Bromhead again. She's now three from three, but won at a very unfancy price. Yeah, again, it was it was it was a, a slightly funny race to watch. Now, but Magical Zoe, despite like incredible market weakness, is probably not 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 overegging it. I know the maiden hurdle she won wasn't wasn't um, electric form by any means, but like she won it very easily, and no one wanted her, and um, uh, and she managed to get up. In fairness to her, now what they do trip wise is is going to be interesting. You know, she she'd appeal as one that's going to be suited by a bit further, um. But but she looks nice. Like she she, she didn't exactly get the, the clear spin of it here, and managed to overcome it. So yeah, look, could, could she go forward? Could she be sharp enough for a, a mayor's novice longer term? Will they look to go up and trip? Um, it'd be interesting to see what they do now. But this this was nice. You'd have, you'd be happy with it. Yeah, very interesting to see where they go with her next. And um, just a quick word on another couple of UK horses we saw over the weekend. TC remastered one back over hurdles at Aintree for the Tizard. I used to be able to do a really good Tizard accent, and now <laughs> I've lost it. Honestly, I've lost it completely. Just, just not the same with Joe and Charles now. <laughs> no, it's not. I think that's what's put me off my game. It's not the same. Um, but he is now in the uh, 10 to 1 TC for the Coral Gold Cup from 20s, looking to make amends after falling when travelling so well in the race last year. Would yeah. you have any interest in him back at Newbury? Sorry, wh- why are we talking about Tizard? What? Yeah, I, was just saying, I, I was just saying he used to be able to do a good Tizard accent, that was all. All right, but Rui Marston's trained by David Pipe, no? Oh, sorry, 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 correct, correct. So, correct. Sorry, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it was... I, um, I was it just I made was... me think of him. <laughs> I thought you were trying yeah. to shoehorn in a shit impression, but yeah. Um. Yeah, well, it was really shit, so it was really it's accomplished. Yeah, it's been I, mean, exactly. I, didn't know, I didn't know Joe Tizard's got an 80-a-day habit, oh, that's all. Um, um, no, I, I was really taken by the performance. I travelled really well throughout the race, won very easily, goes to the uh, Coral, uh, Coral Gold Cup now, um, the old Hennessy, etc., old Labrooks. Um, and obviously, last year... He um he fell four out when I think he was trained about seven to four in running. Uh, so yeah, I mean the bookmakers cut him on the back of that justifiably so because yeah that was a really really good performance. Do you like Kevin? Do you like a horse going into a race like the Coral Gold Cup off the back of the hurdles? When yeah, I don't think it's any harm. I don't think it's any yeah. harm. Um, you should look at it as long as you know that they're in good form. Um, it, it's it's. I'd rather see it. I'd rather see them do that than go, you know, straight there and be guessing. Um, now I suppose the natural question you ask yourself after all of these races is is will this form reshow itself in March for the final? Um, I thought the third shape quite well. Um, Ashdown lad, 
And he's one of those that's that's off the right type of mark for it. And now he's qualified. So I wonder, and Dan Skelton isn't averse to, you know, really line a one up for Cheltenham Handicap. So it'll be interesting to see what they do with him campaign-wise between now and then. But um, he's qualified. He's now off a mark that'll get him in nice and low. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they do. <laughs> I feel like, I, I, are, you laughing at, are you laughing at Barry, Kevin? Me? No, I didn't see anything from Barry. <laughs> I just, I knew that was coming. I knew that was coming. Uh, gotcha. Let's move on. Yeah. Let's, let's move on to the Breeders' Cup. Breeders' Cup. Um, you're there, Vanessa. I might have been there. Yes, I might have been there. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> I actually had a great time. Honestly, there was so many, so many. Was that your first videos. time, Vanessa? Yeah, it was my first time racing in America, uh, for obviously first time to Breeders' Cup, and it was just so interesting. Honestly, I couldn't have had a better week. But like some of the big takeaways, not just like you know that the Americans hype up the big race as well. That's all a bit of a cliche. But I was amazed at how much they like celebrate and promote betting over there. It's just such a big thing, and it's not frowned upon. I didn't get the impression just going there and experiencing it how I did. It's massively celebrated, not frowned upon. It's a huge community. It's such a big thing. I did a preview night and, you know, everyone there, you know, bought a ticket. There's 150 people in the audience live streamed as well. I mean, so focused and committed on the betting and it's not looked down upon, basically. Uh, I just it was that that really surprised me for some reason. But I was I loved it. had a great time. The racing was great. Keeneland, you know, Keenan probably isn't um, built really to hold a Breeders' Cup, but they do a terrific job. And some performances, pretty impressive. Euros with the juveniles, Kev, should we start there? Three juvenile turf races all coming home. Um, which was your standout performance, maybe? Oh, standout. Um, they're, they're all were likable to one extent or another. I suppose Meditate's probably the one, isn't she? Like in terms of one that could this Incredible. horse win it. yeah. Yeah, could she win a guineas? I'd say I wouldn't like to say she couldn't. Um, like in fairness, her form has stood up the whole way through the season. Um, they they did a kind of, I suppose quite a punchy thing, I suppose, dropping back to six in the in the Chivalry Park and she ran very well. Um, but and then you know, to go right back up to a mile around a track like this and fast ground was punchy. But um, geez, it worked out well. <laughs> she um, she won very well. You know, Ryan in fairness to him. In fairness to Ryan, like geez, I, I don't remember him having a, a season quite like this, just in terms of consistently making you go, Jesus, he's riding well. Um, yeah. And it's just been, it's been like that since the get-go. Like you remember back to Chester where you put in kind of a tour de force back in May. And it's just been brilliant all season in fairness to him. And and, and he just rode very well at this meeting. Um, this filly was very dominant. Look, I know American back-end turf two-year-old races, you know, do you ever look back on them a year later and go, Jesus, that was an electric piece of form? Probably not. But, you know, she the style of it, we knew, we knew going there she was a very good filly and the style of it was excellent. Um, I draw attention, before, I'll get in before TC because I know he'd like to say this, at midnight mile I thought ran a cracker from a, from a mile yeah. off the pace after after missing the kick. Um, so uh, I wouldn't forget about her either, but Meditate, yeah, is, is a cracking filly. Not a one for Noni and Everett. He's, he's having a, a season of all seasons, as Jerry Hannon might say, with his two-year-olds. Um, <laughs> and yeah, yeah, we're very impressed with her. And Appleby, Tony, Charlie Appleby, Aidan O'Brien, three winners, Charlie Appleby, three winners. It's funny, like you, the Europeans went over there and yeah, you've got Carl Burke with runners, you've got 
Willie Brown, Kevin Ryan, Amy Murphy, Alice Haynes, David Lochnane, loads of names over there, which is great to see. But ultimately, it's the big boys who took home the prizes. Which was your performance of the weekend from the Euros, TC? Um, obviously, like Kevin said, I mean, Meditate was probably the most visually impressive, but yeah, I mean, Appleby, I mean, his strike rate in America this season is just it's absolute, <laughs> it's absolutely off the scale. I mean, like Rebels Romance, I remember place laying him first time <laughs> up uh, in. Uh, July in, in, in Newmarket, um, back um, on back on turf in in the Fred Archer Stakes, and God, the progress that horse has made. I mean, like I say, he's the the manner he's put Stone Age away there uh, is is off the scale, isn't it? So Stone um, Age ran a cracker for us, TC. Yeah, it, it did. Yeah, I mean, like momentarily thought it'd win, but then you look behind and you see Rebels yeah. Romance coming along. And I didn't see that coming whatsoever, even even with the kind of like Godolphin and, and Coolmore dominance. I mean, that 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 last race, pretty that race, pretty much summed up everything about the meeting, didn't it? But yeah, I mean, like I, I look, I don't take the Breathe's Cup very seriously from a betting point of view, and so I wouldn't have many takeouts. I just very quickly midnight miles 33s for the sports with the thousand guineas there is a bit of 50s knocking around I'm trying to get on that 50s at the moment because yeah far he goes there with midnight mile I, I'm very very uh, taken by that performance and just one last thing on Ryan as well I mean you talk Kevin talk about him in riding you know consistently brilliantly all season I've mentioned it before numerous times on, on many podcasts he just seems in a completely different positive mindset this season uh as a person to deal with uh and on and that, and that is just kind of like shining to the track as well wow interesting that's very interesting um we can't leave the breeders cup however without talking about flight line kevin um it was literally incredible to be there i, I promise you like i'm not overdoing it it was just remarkable it was the best moment racing I've had on a racetrack just in terms of build-up and excitement and then the performance and you're looking over the back straight and they pulled what was it 10 lengths clear of the rest of the field they come around the bottom and then when he kicked off the home turn I've never experienced anything like it on a racetrack and that includes obviously Frankel's and the likes <sighs> over here Oh, just in terms of a moment, I'm not saying the performance or the horse. Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying in terms of a moment, and that is not recency bias. I honestly, I was like, oh, I was genuinely like after the race, like, oh my god, I can't believe I was here for this. It was just unbelievably cool. Yeah, but you must have been hammered by that stage, must you? The old meet you. I wasn't. I wasn't. I wasn't. You're one of these. You're I, one of these emotional drunks, are you? Not, not at all. You can. You can enjoy a moment on a racetrack. I know you tend not to, but you can actually <laughs> just sit back sometimes. There are times, if you're a genuine fan, Tony, that you can just sit back and you don't have to be drunk. You don't have to have had a bet. You can just enjoy a horse race. And honestly, it was class. It was well, I, don't, I don't mind the drunk joy, but don't chuck the betting angle at me, love. You wouldn't be watching a point-to-point down your local if it wasn't for betting. <laughs> no that's very true that's very true but like what did you you're watching it at home kevin what in terms of the actual performance what were your takeaways um no, just to touch on what you what you brought up there like the americans do a great job of building these moments don't they and i've never been at any of these occasions but like i would i would find you know zenyatta's 
I suppose nearly all of her last few runs, but the last couple, you know, Justify, uh, American Pharaoh, you know, d- days like that, they really build two moments and they make it, even if you're not there like I wasn't, you, you can feel it. You know, they do a great job of building the tension and, and building uh, and contextualizing and building to that moment. And um, and this horse delivered. Like, look, dirt racing is a very different spectacle to, to turf racing. We all know that. Um, but like this, this was just merciless stuff. Uh, fair play to life with life is good's connections, you know, because plenty oh. of fellas in, in that situation would get a bit windy and, and you know follow flight line or drop in behind and try and pick up pieces and get a bit negative. But they just went, nah, let's go, let's go, let's find out, and probably went overly quick in front. Um, flight line followed, and you just know turning in right. This this is we're gonna see the insides of your lungs here. You know, and find out what spot and flight line in fairness and just kept galloping, you know, only just nearly broke two minutes, you know, which is, which is a ridiculous time um, if we're in, in a race of that trip on that surface. And he's a brilliant horse, you know, brilliant horse. He's looked a freak every day. He stepped out. Um, he's he's bred to be really good. It's not a it's not a shock, but it's always a shock when they're that good. Um, I suppose just the pity is, and uh, we subsequently found out he's retired. Um, not a shock to yeah. anyone. E- economic realities. It's a very difficult thing to battle against. And and from my seat watching it on TV, even as it wasn't a shock, it, just because you watch that race and you listen to connections beforehand, you watch the TV footage of their connections during the race. I said to the lads I was watching the race with, like, like they're not enjoying this, really. Like, they're not enjoying it. You could just tell they're shaking. Like, they're after the pressure and the expectation. Like, I don't know how enjoyable it is. Of course it is on, 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 on many levels, but the thought that they would go home and say, right, let's do that six more times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It just would, and you could, you could sense all of that with, you know, see the stars connections with even with Baid's connections, you know, with Franco's connections getting towards the end. Like it's almost the, the, the expectation and the, is almost a burden on them. And, you know, it's it's a pity because for as a sport, as a spectacle, you know, Flightline would have just been introduced to a completely new audience and a wider audience on Saturday evening, and now he's gone. You know? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's so true. It, I like even for me being out there. Obviously, I was wowed by his specific classic win, but then you know, it's not until I was there that you know I've just got a taste for him, and now I want to see him loads more. But he's gone. You know, so it is yeah. really. Anyway, and look, no. uh, yeah, and look, and look, we can be it, but look, it, it's a reality. And like, I suppose the thing is, it's never going to change because that, that's the, the economics. So you ask yourself, right, is there anything we can do to kind of mitigate this? Like, should could we as a business maybe promote their subsequent que- careers as a stallion a bit better to an audience outside of the committed bloodstock audience? I don't know. Is, would it even be, would, would it work? I don't know. But um, it just, it, it seems unfortunate to have a kind of a once in a, probably a once in a 30 years horse. Um, and now he kind of floats away and we, we don't really start talking about him again in, in a racing context until his first two-year-old's run. So maybe there's more we can do. Yeah, maybe there is. Uh, but anyway, it was, it was brilliant to be there. Uh, it was a terrific weekend of racing. That is a wrap on our racing review section. And just to remind Ooh, quick, you... Quickly, Vanessa, Cody's wish. Jeez, wasn't that unbelievable? Oh, my God. 
I don't know. I don't know how well you would have felt it being there, but as a television piece now, oh my god, the way they built well, that up and told that story, then that result, oh my god, unreal. Yeah, that was probably one of those ones that wasn't, you know, like it's kind of hard to get the full story across on course. But yes. In the mornings, uh, one of the mornings, Cody had showed up to the track, and so they'd done a big feature on him. So I'd watched that. So it's kind of engrossed in it that way but i think yeah there's probably that's probably one of those moments that the nbc coverage i will look yeah, forward oh. to watching that back um, and none of them could talk they couldn't talk after oh. the race the, the, the three lads but uh um and and supplementary piece of info he's staying in training he, he's not being retired which is great so we, we might get to see him again um, next year a few times brilliant that is good news now look with the world cup football world cup is just around the corner and so it is a reminder now that football only better will be covering every single game on this podcast platform and host kevin hatchard is now here to tell you more thanks vanessa yes the big kickoff in qatar is fast approaching and we'll have all of the best tips and insights with daily football only better shows throughout the tournament and we're also going to have a big anti-post show with some very exciting guests indeed and we're also going to have our betting guru mark o'hare crunching the numbers so you don't have to so make sure you join us on football only better throughout the world cup um, right on to news and views section tc hewick yeah. in the pub you were not a happy man i didn't think it was a problem at all let's have it out why didn't you like it <laughs> um look, a lot of people I, look, i've got a lot of pelters there i mean the problem is <laughs> everyone thought everyone thought i was having a go because a horse was drinking beer i mean i haven't got a problem with that whatsoever but someone tell me the potential for disaster taking a racehorse into a very small pub, feeding him drink. What, what, what's the upside there? All, all I see is potential downside if you're doing a PR stunt, which this was. So all the people who are having a go at me say, all oh, oh, horses drink beer all the time, they love it. I said, totally <laughs> missing the point. I just take, I, I just take, I don't take exception to it. Everyone says, oh, it's typical, typical when people have a go at me. Oh, he's getting upset, he's getting on his high horse, pardon the pun, etc. It's got nothing to do with that. Taking a horse into a confined space, tables, pubs, glasses. What good, well, you know, there's more downside than upside there. I mean, it went all went swimmingly. So HRI or whoever organised it, you know, a job well done. But, you know, that could have easily gone pear-shaped. That that was my issue. And and I'm sure, and I wasn't alone. There were a lot of people having a pot, but so be it. I, I, I thought it was, I thought they got away with one. Yeah, it's one of those like there's historical precedent for it. Do you remember they used to bring red rum yeah. like up, up <laughs> yeah, on stages yeah. and up elevators and upstairs and all that? <laughs> and look, I'd be with TC. Like if you want to do it with your own horse, you know, you know, by all means. But would I do it with my horse? No, I wouldn't. You know, wooden floors, etc. No, look, I deal with, with horses every day, and I'm terrified of things going wrong. You know, all the time without kind of. Um, without introducing, you know, avoidable risk <laughs> into the into the into the into the mix. So, like that was my first thought. He walked in. You can clearly see he's on a wooden floor. And like, right, if a, if a pint glass drops or there's some some idiot in there that doesn't know horses, lets a roar out of him, and the horse gets a spook, you know, you would be worried that it, it could have went pear shaped. Um, it didn't. It made for uh, you know a, a video that 
you know, proved to be very engaging. Um, would I do it myself? No, but look, it's 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 look, it's it's great that Shark is kind of putting this horse out there in various different ways. They brought him to the Greyhound track in Kilkenny there um, mm-hmm. the other day as well to meet the the two top Greyhounds in the country at the minute. Uh, that's all great stuff. You know, you, it's 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 rare that you get a top horse that that is paraded and and made um, publicly available as much. That's a great thing. Um, what I've done it myself, no, but maybe I'm a bit dry. I don't know. <laughs> hey, look, look, I probably wouldn't have done it myself either. I get that point, but at the same time, it's shark. And if you take away all unavoidable risk in life, you wouldn't ever do anything with anything at any time, would you? And so, yeah. Well, this is it. Do. Yeah, yeah. Well, but there are yeah. there are levels. There are levels. <laughs> A little avoidable risk, you know, they are racehorses, etc. But yeah, that, that wooden floor, you know, just w- would have made me a bit nervous. But that, that's just there me. is levels, and, and sharks' sort of line of avoidable risk is probably quite a long way down yes. the line. <laughs> yours, Kevin. I, I totally <laughs> that that's, um, that, that, that's an absolute certainty, I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, right, a couple of other newsy points to rattle through. Uh, Neil Callan, your favourite jockey, TC, was kicking up a bit of a fuss on Twitter about a Kevin Stott interview that was done on Sky Sports Racing, where essentially, did Neil read, just ex- ex- expand on it, actually, for anybody who has missed this? Well, we'll do it. We'll do this very quickly because we've got a load of questions to fit in. But basically, Kevin Stott went on, uh, did an interview saying he's, he's going freelance. Um, he's kind of you know, looking for riches, more riches and more opportunities down south. That didn't go down very well with with, with quite a few jockeys, given the success he's had up there as a, as a freelance and with the likes of Kevin Ryan. Uh, and Neil Callan, I imagine, just articulated quite a lot of, um, you know, what a lot of uh, jockeys, based, especially ones based in the north, were thought about the interview. Now, I mean, I mean it, look, it would be a very boring place. I know I had running with Neil Callan. He called me a big ape um, <laughs> when I when I took him to task. Good, 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 good judge, Callan. Good judge, Callan. In, in the St. Ledger. I mean, <laughs> uh, and obviously he's uh, obviously he had a bit of a brain brain fade when he rode a circuit too early at Kempton. <laughs> but it would be a very dull place if 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 people like Callan didn't come out and give an honest opinion. If that's his honest opinion, then great. We should have more of it. We shouldn't have less of it. And if it causes a bit of a bit of a kerfuffle, great. It's a you know we are a very media managed lifestyle with jockeys and trainers. Get out there, do you know, ruffle a few feathers. I've got no. Yeah, like that, and likewise with Stott, because you know Stott didn't need to say that. You know, I think we all know what he meant. I think that the term he used was kind of riding for better trainers. Yeah. And I think people took exception to that. I'm sure what he meant was kind of, you know, more high profile trainers and more high profile stages, which is to me is perfectly fine. You know, he wants to, wants to better himself, advance his career, etc. Um, You know, could he have termed it slightly differently? Maybe, but I'm, geez, I didn't watch it and kind of go, you know, Chase, you're an awful yoke. I think I think most people that listen to it would have read through between the lines and, and know what he meant. But look, that's the nature of life when you're, you know, even when you're on a podcast, like there's always some some yoke that'll, you know, take something you've said out of context and spin it whatever way they want um, to, to try and make you look bad or, or, or get a bit of get a bit of Yahoo. Yeah, yeah. And, and so yeah. the cynics, the cynics that's, that's, are saying nice. Megan Nichols wants to move down south. <laughs> for that for that with life in the frozen north well, yeah, yeah. I mean she's probably got a point um, <laughs> yeah, so, 
and that's where that's where that's where we that's where we are. Cheers, Vanessa Ryan. Now, before you yeah, start exactly. clipping that yeah. up and and, and, yeah. and throwing stones at Vanessa, <laughs> exactly. Thank you, Kevin. From Yorkshire, born and bred. Right, Tony, we have so many good questions, but I know you just want to give a quick line to you see on the Sandown situation yesterday. Obviously, called the meeting off after three races. Uh, yeah. Expand on how yeah, that ground just very out. just very quickly. Uh, Sandown um, got a lot of rain. Uh, in the lead up to the meeting, they had a had an inspection at ten forty five. Decided to go ahead, but in doing so, they they took out a load of, uh, especially on the on the chase course, um, and so obviously it was touch and go. They actually the the the, uh, the handicap chase or the novice chase, the second race on the car, they actually took out nine of the seventeen fences, which kind of like rendered that a bit of a farce. So they were obviously touch and go. They had another five mil during the day. They decided on medical grounds because they couldn't get the, they didn't think they could get the um, the transport, the ambulances uh, to any areas, you know, if there was a, a medical emergency, either by horse or, or by jockeys. So they decided to, to abandon the meeting after three races, which, which is fair enough. You can't argue with medical welfare, obviously takes precedent. But the problem is the amount of, of abuse that Sandow got, I mean, it, you know, it really was, it really was vitriol. It was taken aback. It, it was terrible, terrible customer experience, even before the abandonment, uh, because three races were run. It, in, you know, race guys were only entitled to 50% uh, of, a, of a refund. Um, it just left a really bad taste in the mouth of, of many race goers. And, you know, go and have a look at some of the, the responses to the racing post story on, on, on Twitter. It was really kind of like venom. Um, so unfortunate unfortunate incident but if you if you were a race goer going there you were being shortchanged before the abandonment and I think that's what many people were were really up in arms about okay um and last point before we move on to listeners questions and Kevin you've literally got 30 seconds on this I hear um sectional times are coming to Ireland finally soon just around the corner isn't it (laughs) Oh, they're here, Vanessa. The band, my God, they are here. Um, yeah, look, this this is an interesting. One. I wrote about this last week in my at the races column. Uh, Mark Boylan just put up a piece as well, a very good piece in the Racing Post just before we came on air. Um, so basically, long story short, um, sectional times were promised to Irish racing by SIS. You know, many many years ago, back back to be up and running. Um, at the beginning of 2017, clearly didn't happen. Um, they they got away with murder as far as I could tell in terms of not delivering on their contractual promise then last uh, pr- prior to the Irish Derby meeting this year um, Course Track which is, is Racing TV's um, sectional timing partner um, they were rolled in to provide this service plenty made of it and it's been since then at that meeting and since then it's, it's been an absolute shambles like uh, comedic um, like I think since then, 88% of the races at the Curra uh, have had no coverage at all. You know, yeah. the, the the numbers that have appeared have been like riddled with like really obvious errors that a, a monkey who you gave basic sectional time train, training to could point out were horrifically wrong and should never have seen the light of day. Um, they have come, a course track have come out in Mark Boylan's piece there and said, basically, this is a trial period, you know, we're working on it. Um, you know, there was no talk of a trial period when they were launching it in a blaze of publicity before the, the Irish Derby. They're now saying we'll have it fully up to scratch by the beginning of next flat season. Um, it's an absolute farce. They've been they've been up and running in the UK for for you know over three years. You know, what trial do you need? 
You know, you're up and running yeah, there. The I product agree. is well established. The technology is seemingly well established. And they're getting away with murder. No one's calling them out for a bar mark boiling and the, the odd bit well, of meat. Sounds like, sounds like Bruce Millicent's in charge of uh, Irish sectional timing over there. Uh, so it, but, and seriously, it's frustrating because, Jesus, Irish racing has utterly left in the starting blocks and data and racing we're so far behind the rest of the the, the civilized racing world and then you get farces like this where you bring in a company that, that on, on all okay. evidence can't deliver the product okay well you have well and truly called them out there so fingers crossed that we will have them properly by the start of next flat season but it sounds like it might be unlikely let's move on to questions i feel like we've got plenty to get through plenty of them we have answered but we will name check a few people lee mcvary hewick is the topic nobody back this silliness you tried to create in the in the in drinking a pint in the pub talk about that well we have done already uh we've given our views on that david skelton has asked I was watching the Breeders' Cup with a non-racing friend who commented that NBC's coverage is so different to UK racing coverage. Is there anything that UK broadcasters can learn from the NBC coverage? Any innovations we could add? Keep up the good work, loving the pod. Well, I personally, being out there, obviously haven't seen it, but I remember thinking the exact same when watching the NBC coverage last year. I think the biggest point I would flag up is budget. Um, they're yeah. working with a, an absolutely phenomenal budget, way above and beyond. I mean, I'm guessing this, but I think I'd be pretty sure in my guess, way above and beyond racing TV, Sky and even ITV. Um, obviously, there's bits and pieces we could take and transfer over here. But fundamentally, I think it's a much bigger budget, basically, at play. Yeah. Um, yeah, because I'd, I'd have a minor insight into some of those kind of costs associated with some of those fancy cameras and that, and they're absolutely colossal. Yeah. So they would be, they would have a massive budget. But I'd agree the coverage is excellent. They have a lovely balance to it. Um, I know I was briefly touched on earlier. I think they cover betting very well. Um, they have a chap there in front of a screen. I forget his name, fellow with glasses and in a shirt and tie. And uh, he did, a, he did yeah. a really good job. I thought he was very engaging. You know, wasn't kind of what wasn't shirking, you know, in terms of the complexities of it. Um, thought that was covered really well. Um, camera angles, like, I don't know, it depends how you do it. Some, uh, there's you can get it from helicopters, blimps, drones, etc. I cannot get enough of the overhead footage. If I had one yeah. wish for the, for the coverage of racing in Britain and Ireland, um, more use of overhead footage post-race now, not, not during the race, post-race. It, it just opens up a whole different um, angle and perspective to the race is the tightness of it, the, the, the speed of decision needed. And one other thing, um, they mic the jockeys. I think that's brilliant. You can hear the roaring and the bawling when things get tight. Like it, it really, I find it very immersive. I you mean, know, look, like, they are, they're streets ahead. Their coverage is streets ahead, but I think budget is a, is a big factor. And just to name check a few people who also sent in similar questions about this, uh, David Bradshaw, Connor Hicks and Paul Williams, all of you commented basically on TV coverage. Uh, we could go on about it for hours, but we do want to get to a couple of other questions. Um, Luke Black has asked, Tony, you can have this one. Mm. We've probably discussed it before. My memory is terrible. I like Appleby, but don't think his links to Al Zaruni and all the success he has in America where doping, where doping is rife, should be talked about more. I don't you think? It's, sorry, it's, it's obviously it's a very tricky one, and editorially, no TV station is going to go near it for for obvious reasons, you know, legal reasons as well. But you know, whenever someone has an incredibly good strike rate, as as good old friend and Charlie Appleby does in America, 
it, there's always going to be talk uh, about stuff like this, whether we like it or not. And it is a factor in, in, in some punters. I know that. I know that for a fact. Um, obviously, going back to Al Zaruni 10 or so years ago, I mean, nobody really, really buys into the fact that they thought, you know, Zaruni was a lone wolf there. But, you know, you can only speak as you find. And, yeah. um, you know, it would be very disappointed if there was any any truth in, in any any suggestion of any impropriety here. But, you know, Appleby just seems to be an incredibly good trainer and even better when he goes to the States. Yeah, and just in yeah, terms just... of the, the comment on, on America there as well, Vanessa, it's worth noting, if you're not all fay with it, what's going on in American racing at the minute and the, the Horse Racing Integrity and, and Safety Authority, you know, they, they've rolled in. This was bad and needed in America for years and years. It's starting to be rolled out now. You've, we've seen it in the... They're basically looking to bring in uniform medication and racing rules across all of America, which would traditionally have had different rules in every state. And the regulation of drugs is going to be a big part of that. January 1st, that's kicking in. And they've had they've had all sorts of mayhem there with different states bringing legal challenges, etc. But that would be a great, great thing for American racing um, if they implement it uh, as planned. Yeah, look, I mean, one, yeah. I mean, one of my, t- another takeaway is just like how thrive. I feel like the American racing gets a bashing and regularly over here and actually having experienced it. And obviously I've experienced the top end going to the Breeders' Cup. I mean, it feels like a thriving industry and then these new steps will take it above and beyond again. Um, Stephen has asked, can we take a moment to appreciate the phenomenon that is Dubawi? Has there ever been a horse that has produced such quality and versatility from five furlong sprinters to milers to stairs? He's done what the great Galileo could never manage bred grey the dirt winners it's remarkable well I agree with you Stephen and it's just seems to be he seems to be getting not better and better but just producing the goods year on year essentially um, yeah, they're, two, they're two proper breed shapers we're, we're very kind of fortunate to have them both at the same time no longer Galileo obviously but like you say Dubawi like it, he, he was a tricky one to work out. for for a long time he couldn't get a, a really good two-year-old and now all of a sudden he's, he's, he landed a couple of real superstars and um as as steven mentioned there, he gets all sorts like he, he's a such a good sire and like i said the different surfaces different trips he, he's a phenomenon i'd agree uh neil madden has touched upon the topic at the start of the show uh, given the weight-carrying performances of Grenatine and Frodon, should more jumps races revert to handicaps to boost excitement? A shishkin will just kick others out the way until Cheltenham, whereas in a handicap it would generate more interest. I think we all concur. Uh, <laughs> Stephen Williams. Yeah, Steve, I, I didn't. I've moved on very quickly. <laughs> Stephen Williams has asked, morbid one, sorry, but on the back of the awful, awful Sedgefield race last week, would there be more than one vet on site? I'd hate to think either horse suffered for longer than they needed to. There are more vets than one, aren't there, on the race course, Kevin? Yeah. Uh, yeah uh, oh, sorry, so, TC. Yeah. You know, we have two ambulances on course. Uh, I think we'll have more than one vet at each course. I mean, you, you've seen some some races and high-profile meetings. They have, you know, five, six, seven, eight vets. So I would imagine there'll be at least two vets uh, at every course. Uh, Chris Graham has asked about the Neil Callan, Kevin Stott, Megan Nichols Twitter spat. Well, we've touched upon that. Sean Matthews has asked about where Envoy Allen will go next, but now that's been confirmed that he is going to the King George. Um, Bradley Lemo has asked, what is the whirlpool and how does it work? Is it a big version of the tote, TC? One for you, isn't it? <laughs> is it one for me? <laughs> is it? 
Well, well you were doing toast stuff in America, weren't you? I, do you know what? Yes, I, I was. Yes. yes I was. <laughs> no, but basically, it's they bring all the, all the they bring all the pools together in one massive pot. You know, like some Royal Ascot, that the Hong Kong money coming in. So it's a very good, very good for the sport, very good for the finances of the tracks involved. So yeah, um, that's a massive positive. Basically, it, it, it's what it says on the tin. It is a whirlpool, all the money going into one pot, and uh, everyone everyone benefits as a result. So it's good, yeah, very, and, very good initiative. And, and we all know, like, we're extremely jealous in, in Britain and Ireland of the 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 funding structures they have internationally, you know, i.e. a total monopoly, um, and, and the world pool gives us a chance to 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 get to get in on the act a little bit because obviously Hong Kong and those markets are, are huge betting markets, and by opening up uh, international commingling in, in this sort in this form, it, uh, it's it's really promising. I think going forward, it's it's every year, it's year on year, the turnover is going up and up and up. So I'd be uh, I'd be a big supporter of it now and hope it continues to develop. Uh, Daniel Scott has asked a good question. What sites and tools do you use when studying form and races, etc.? ATR has always been my go-to, but recently tried the Racing Post, struggling to find justification in the price when I can get replays on Racing TV slash ATR. Mm. And I find the future form tool on ATR is really useful. Uh, one, one line answers, guys. Who do you use, TC? Uh, primarily the Racing Post. I would, you know, the, the, paper, the price of the paper is obviously a joke, but the actual package you get for the online, uh, you know, you get Weekend, uh, Racing Football Outlook as well, as well as the... The form database. I don't really uh, don't really read much of the editorial stuff, but I think the ra- racing post primarily. And Kevin, um, who yeah, do you use? Uh, post ATR Pro Form. Um, they all have diff- different strong points, um, and I, I try to marry them all together. Um, Liam D. Claus has asked, and I suppose it ties in with what we've been talking about. Hi, folks. Who has the strongest say on a horse's entries, owner or trainer? I'm thinking of Cheveley Park having stars in various stables. Could the Thompsons tell Willie Mullins they went, they want Envoy at Kempton, so they want Alaho to run in the John Durkin, for example, despite Willie's wishes? Well, uh, yeah, you could have... You, you you could have confined that question to about six to about six words. Could the Thompsons tell Willie Mullins they want finish there? No. The <laughs> Willie, no. The yeah, Willie is, no, is yeah. famous. He just he, he, he does not want owners intervening <laughs> with, the, with their dreaded opinions. Uh, he has he has obviously so many balls in the air, and it's all yeah. it's all very last minute, and it's 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 almost an object of kind of humor now that um that that, that, that you know Willie doesn't take input. <laughs> basically, basically yeah. they can give their opinion after he's decided. Yeah, yeah, and, and he won't take it into consideration. Um, let's try squeeze in a couple of questions more mark littlewood has asked bookmakers are part of racing pro- of racing's problem and most people do not want to bet into a tote system even with an sp matched over round is the answer a racing owned betting exchange this 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 gets brought up by loads of different people the actual cost of actually running an exchange is astronomical so that's a total non-starter. Yeah, we okay. trust them to run it. <laughs> they, can't, they can't run those things. TC, because I'm reading out the questions, I can't see. Are we being told to wrap up? Yeah, literally. We've got a couple of minutes. Just try and get quickly one-word answers in for these. Come on. 
Okay, okay, come on, one more dancers. Um, Stephen Hone, why is there no dirt racing in Europe and how much different is the dirt compared to the likes of the Tapita? I ask because the likes of Flightline would never travel internationally apart from Maidam because of a lack of dirt opportunities. Kevin, quick answer. You, you could have dirt in Europe, it's just not the tradition. Um, you know, they'd say, why can't you have um, all weather, more artificial surfaces in America? But again, dirt is, it, it's a long question. Jesus, come on, lads. <laughs> okay, sorry. <laughs> uh, Savage Cliff has asked, a huge fan of Holly Doyle, but she was taken to school by Moore and Buick at Keeneland. Those fantastic all meeting. If Nashua and Floater stay in training and at Breeders' Cup next year and you owns, keep her up or jock her off. Well, look, interestingly, obviously the Ryan Moore and William Buick rode brilliantly around Keeneland, but I found it really interesting what James Doyle said in his post-race interviews that, you know, he's been given opportunities around these tight turning tracks in America and it's taken him a little while to get a handle on riding the track. You need the experience. It's different over there. You live and learn. Would she have done things differently? Probably. But would I jock her off? No. Gene uh, Warwick, does racing need some livening up? Half the presenters and pundits are some of the most inoffensive people on the planet. It's as if the target audience is the Women's Institute. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'd, I'd agree with that. I'd agree with that. So, yeah, some, some conflict, some controversy, some humour. Uh, we, yeah, we get I some, mean, but we can always have more. Yeah, I mean, look, Matt Chapman's a good advocate for that. He's like Marmite, but, you know, he's wading on in his career and he's plenty controversial enough and there is lots of inoffensive people, you're right. Robert, it's shit sandwich. Okay, well, on that brilliant final question, then that rounds off the show. Um, very lively, as always. Thanks, Kevin. Thanks, TC. Do join us on Thursday for Racing Any Better. We'll be looking ahead to what is going to be a brilliant weekend of racing here in the UK. And in the meantime, thank you very much for listening and have a lovely week. <laughs> <laughs>